0: Isaiah chapter 50, we're going to just read one verse out of this great chapter, and it's verse 4. And once you get there, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word this morning, Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4, and just this one verse, it's a great portion of Scripture, prophecy concerning the Messiah that would come, but just the one verse, uh, Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4. The Lord... Had given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. Father, this morning we pray for your help. We thank you already for your presence in our midst. Lord, you're here, and you're here to do a great work. Lord, we pray that you would Give us the ears to hear, that You would awaken our hearing to hear Your Word and that it would find a good place, good ground right into the depths of our hearts. Lord, would You speak this morning. Lord, Your voice. Let every other voice be silent. Let every other thought be cast down. But Lord, we pray that Your voice would be heard in the ears of Your people. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats this morning. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. I want to speak this morning on when the weary run, when the weary run. This is a word in Scripture here directly from the Lord. A word from the learned, but not learned in the sense of what we would understand learned as far as intellectual. is concerning the Lord Jesus Christ because He knows all things. But it is a word from Him who can identify with us in our troubles, our trials, and in our weaknesses. And it's a word that comes in particular. If you note what He said, it's a word. It's a word. It's a word in season. It's a word that's right. It came. It comes. At the very right time, it's designed, ordained, and perfected by God Himself that He would speak a word into someone's heart this morning, into their soul, and into their spirit. And it is a word for those that are weary. That is the word God would speak to those that are weary this morning. Webster, uh, in his uh, definition of weariness, said, exhausted in strength or endurance, or vigor or in freshness when, when you become weary or tired, uh, not just in the physical sense, because we're dealing with a spiritual matter first of all, but it can affect our physical being. But when we become weary, that there is a word that God would wish to speak into your heart and into your soul and into your spirit. And it is the word that is mixed with faith that God will do a work in our hearts this morning that even the weary by the end of this service, we'll be able to run. Now, you may not feel like running on the way in this morning, and you may not felt like running throughout the week, but in a spiritual sense, by the end of this service, even the weary, even the weary are able to run. You know, we have to discern in the Bible, in scripture, uh, there are different types and there are different reasons why weariness comes. It's not just a broad brush that covers everything, but some, and I just want to go through a few this morning before we get to the main, but some can be weary in the battle, in the battle, in the walk, in in that battle for life. If you turn over in the second Samuel chapter 23, I want you to follow some of these. And I encourage you this morning that you discern yourself if you can identify a weariness or you're weary in life, you're weary in this spiritual walk, then you have to discern why that weariness has come. And here there is the weariness in the battle. In 2 Samuel 23, verse 9, it says, concerning David's mighty men, and after him was Eleazar the son of Dodo the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away, he arose, it says, of him, and he smote the Philistines. And then it says these words, you'll know it, until his hand was weary. This was a man that was standing up, or a woman that was standing up in the fierceness of the battle in the day of uh, decay and the the day of departure from the faith, the day when Israel had gone, and now there's a man with courage, with faith, with a faith in God, and he, he stands up in the midst of that against the enemy, he believes God, he has conviction, and he holds on to that sword, but he was going against the flow, as it were, and he did it until his hand became weary. He was tired in the battle. One thing about Eleazar, he never let go of the sword. What's important this morning, if you can discern that you're in the battle and you're up against it, but you know you're standing for the Lord and you're believing the promises of God, you can get weary in the battle. You can feel the full force of the enemy that is against you. Everything is dark. Everything seems as though it's so discouraging. But then if you hold on to God, God himself will bring forth a great victory. And so if you discern this morning that you're in that battle, I believe, I believe the Lord heard just a conversation just a couple of weeks ago in our, in our living room. It wasn't that we were praying through. It wasn't that we were calling calling God down from heaven. It was just a conversation between Nicky and myself. And I just said these words. I just said these simple words. We're believing God. We're holding on to God. We're believing for a breakthrough like many across this room. are just believing for a breakthrough in their family situation. And I just turned around and says, I don't know how much longer I can hold on. Well, Sunday night then came and God brought a great victory. So he knows, he knows our weaknesses. I want to be real with you because I am just an ordinary man with many weaknesses and flaws, but he knows how much you can take and how much you can bear and how much you can go along. But one thing is for sure, Saint of God, is just hold it on! just hold on. There's a victory in the holding on. And sometimes you may not feel that you're holding on very strongly. But if you hold on to the promises of God, the sword cleaved to his hand and the Bible says that the Lord wrought a great victory. I want to tell you, friends, I'm believing for many more great victory days. Many more days of great victory when God breaks through in your home, my home, our homes, and in this church here in Balnehenge, we're holding on to God, and God will bring forth a mighty victory in the name of the Lord. So you can be weary in the holding on, but the victory comes. The victory comes. Listen, the victory comes. You can also be weary in the trial, the trials of life. Every believer experiences trials. It's not all just a, a pretty picture of everything's going dandy and everything's well. We go through trials. Would you say amen if you have any trials? We go through the trials of life, the trials of faith. We go through the storms. We go through the valleys. Sometimes we're down in the, into the midst of great battles, Beyond even what we can share sometimes, we're right in the thick of the trial. One of the great men of Scripture that opened his heart and bore his heart for all of us to read is a man called David. He was after God's own heart, but he was a real man. He was a real man, and he was a man that was open, and it was a man that would speak forth his heart in Psalms. If you turn over in the Psalm chapter 6, I want to look at just a couple of them in the trial. Psalm chapter 6, a Psalm of David, And it says, these words, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, nor chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Look at the honesty of David, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. Verse 3, he says, My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul, O save me for thy mercy's sake, for in death there is no remembrance of thee, and in the grave who shall give thee thanks. Then he says these words: I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim, I water my couch with my tears. Here's a man, is a man of God, is a man that's after the very heart of God. He finds himself in a in a very difficult place where he is vexed in his soul. He cries out to the Lord. And he says these words, I'm weary, I'm weary with my groaning. I'm weary with my groaning. Is that you, friend, this morning? Someone here, you're weary with the groan of the trial, the long, deep, and the dark trial that you're in, and there's a a groaning in your spirit. There's tears in the night hour. There's a time, there's a period where you're pouring out your heart to the Lord. You come to church and you try to just go through As it were, the best that you can. And on the outward, everything maybe seems fine, but very few people know the reality of the depths of where you really are. And there is a, there is a groaning. There is a groaning in your spirit. There's a tears that is being wept. If you turn over into Psalm chapter 69, I just want to uh, just bring out a couple of things here with the weariness in the trial. Another Psalm of David, Psalm 69. He says these words, A psalm of David, save me, O God. He says, for the waters are coming onto my soul. I sink deep in mire, where there is no standing. I am coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. Is there someone, is there a saint this morning that's sinking? Someone this morning in this house, you come through these doors. Nobody really knows the circumstances that you've left behind, but you've come into this place this morning and you're in deep waters. Seems as though you're sinking in the circumstances and in the trials of life. Just like David here, he says in verse 3, I'm weary. I'm weary of my crying. I've wept unto the Lord. I, my groans go up before the Lord. My throat is dried. Mine eyes feel while I wait on my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the very hairs of mine head. They would that destroy me, mine enemies wrongfully are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. And he's saying, he's right in, the, in a very deep place. Maybe there's a saint this morning. You come through the doors and the week has been a week like this. A week where you've been sinking. A week where you're in deep waters, deep place. Nobody really knows what's happening, but you find yourself that you're weary even in the trials. Discerning is a weary in the battle. Maybe you're weary of the trial. Or another one is maybe you're weary of the chastening of the Lord. This often isn't mentioned, but the Lord does deal with us as his children because that is a sign of our sonship whereby we've received the Spirit that cries, Abba, Father. And if he loves us, what does he do? He also, that's how much he he corrects us because how many people know we need corrected? If we're true sons, then we need correction if we if we truly belong to Him. In Proverbs chapter 3, if you turn over to it, Proverbs 3 and verse 9, it says these words to honor, Proverbs 3 and 9, to honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of His correction. God deals with us if we're truly the sons of God, if we're truly those that have been born, and have the Spirit of Christ within us. He's going to deal with us as sons and daughters. He's going to bring correction to our lives. He wants us to be conformed. We are all have one purpose. We're all being conformed not that same image, that is the image of His dear Son. That's the purpose of God, that we are like Him. And so there's a correction that comes in our lives. Then there's another weariness that I want to speak about this morning. It's often when we come to a time or a period where we're weary or weak in the walk, and it is this time that we're going to experience and meet opposition. We meet the enemy. We meet an enemy of our soul. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, if you turn over to it, we see this in the weakness and the weariness that this is the time. If you're going through this, be very careful. And if you're not going through it, it might be good for you to take note because you might need it just in a few weeks' time. It was when the Lord had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. It was when in His humanity, it was then that the devil came to him in the wilderness. And in your weakness, in your humanity, in your flesh, it is in our weakness that often we are going to meet this enemy. In Deuteronomy 25, verse 17, the Lord speaks these words. Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way. When ye were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way, he smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee. When thou wast faint and weary, this was the opportunity that the enemy sought, that he would come and that he would smite the children of Israel. Just when they were delivered out of Egypt, God brought them forth with his mighty hand. And just at the back, the hindmost part of Israel, were those that were the weak, those that were feeble, And it was those that this particular group of people under Amalek, they would come in order that they would strike or smite the hindmost part of Israel. In verse 19 it says, Therefore it shall be when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, and thou shalt not forget it. It's when, and it may not be everyone this morning, it might only be a few that this word is for, but it's when you're weakened, when you become vulnerable in that walk with the Lord, when you become weary in the walk, might be because of circumstances, trials, difficulties, one of the main areas of weakness or weariness is not so much in the physical, but it's to be weary in your mind. That's an exhausting thing. It has an effect on your body. But when the enemy is working against the mind of the believer, it brings forth a weariness in your mind. I want to tell you, saints, I want you to listen carefully. And every time that a saint of God is vulnerable or weaker, becomes weary, you're going to meet Amalek along this path. You're always going to meet him. I would say that every saint has met him in some form or another, but I'm just putting a name to what he is. You're going to meet Amalek right head on when you come to that time of being vulnerable or weak or weary. There's a few things that I want to mention about Amalek. First of all, he's a dweller in the valley. Has anyone ever had a valley experience? Just one or two. The valley is the low point When you've become low in your walk, there's a time, every saint has it, this walk is about valleys and mountains. It's about times when you go through experiences where it might be a little bit drier than others. It's not that you're in sin, but it just goes through different periods and seasons in your life. But when you get into the low point of the valley, you're always going to meet Amalek. That's where Amalek by the definition of his name, that's where Amalek, that's where he dwells. It's nearly as though he's waiting on you coming. He always likes the low point. He's waiting till you get down into the low point, And then it's at this point that Amalek is going to confront you. Amalek also was a descendant of Esau. And you remember that Esau was the one who would very willingly sell his birthright. He would sell out in God just for his own comfort. And so we see here that you're going to meet this natural mind or this, this enemy of your soul right down in that valley. You'll remember that there's a profound difference between the Spirit of Christ and this natural man that you're going to meet. You'll meet him when you're weak. You'll meet him when maybe you've been lying on your sick bed for a week or two. You'll meet him when you've gone through a trial or periods in your family or in your home where everything seems to be going wrong. But you're going to meet Amalek. And Amalek is a natural man like Esau. He came in, he was tired from the field. He came in, he had the birthright. He sat down, he was tired, and he did not see the value in his birthright. And so he was willing to give up his birthright in order just that he'd have some satisfaction. He'd have just some stew and everything's going to be fine. But this, this carnal mind is going to meet you. It's a, it's nearly like a conversation. Now, this may never have happened to someone in this room but I want to probably give you a little bit of insight of some of the battles that you might go through just to help you on the way that just because I'm wearing a shirt and tie this morning doesn't mean I've got everything all right. Because we have battles. Because we go through battles. And the enemy's very real. And that natural man is very real as well. And when you get into the low point, that's when he begins to speak. He speaks outside of the confines of God's Word. But yet his voice is very much a plausible voice and it's very much something that you can nearly agree with. Well, it's the voice of the enemy. How many of you have lay in your bed sick and you've nearly got yourself dead and buried? You don't have to put your hand up. There's one hand anyway. But how many of you lay in your bed sick And you're so ill and you feel so terrible and you feel so, and all of a sudden your mind begins to go off. And the next minute you have a vision of your coffin being carried into the church and all of us sitting here going, he was a great guy. Or maybe not. I don't know. Because there's a real Amalek that wants to come against that which is God's authority. And friends, I want to tell you it's so dangerous. It's unbelief, it's death, it's destruction. It brings forth despair, discouragement. And all of a sudden, you've got the music on, it's Abide With Me, the brass band, and all the music's right, and everything's going, and you're gone. And I want to tell you something, you're going to meet Amalek. And he's a natural man with a natural thought process. And he opposes that which is the Spirit of Christ that is within you. Many of you have gone through experience of weakness, and it's just come to the point where the voice is speaking to you and saying, oh, it's just better if I just... Nobody would really miss me if I'm gone. Anyone ever said that? Hopefully not. But nobody... See, if I was away, I'd be just better going somewhere on my own. Maybe away up to the North Pole or maybe over in the Hawaii, and I would maybe be called as a missionary to to Costa del Sol or Torbalinus. (laughs) and I could do a bit of beach work, and then I could just leave it all behind because nobody would really miss me if I'm gone. You've met Amalek, haven't you? He's a natural mind against the purposes, against the plan, and against the will of God. You see, friends, this is just that carnal man that we all face. Every single one of us that's saved in this in this room this morning, there, there are two natures. We are partakers of a divine nature through that new birth. But then you have, you have an old man and that old nature is Amalek. It's all the same and is all. That nature opposes that which is the spiritual. You know, we often quote that verse and we nearly sometimes quote it like a magic potion, but it's not. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But then there's a responsibility. Who? Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's a walk in the Spirit that's life and victory. No condemnation. There is a life that we must live in the power of the Holy Ghost. But if we walk in the flesh, we're going to fall into the Amalek mode. The Bible goes on to say in Romans 8, For they that are after the flesh, they mind the things of the flesh. For they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and it is peace. Peace. And what God wants us as a people this morning, even though we might be weary in body and weary in our minds, but know this this morning, that God has a purpose and a plan, and God is working a work amongst us, and God is going to move mightily in these days. We must get out of the framework or the mindset of Amalek, To see what God has for us as a people. We got a little bit of heaven that touched earth a couple of weeks ago. But God was just saying, here's a taste of what I have. How many people want so much more? I want more. More of his presence. More when heaven touches the earth. More when God takes the field. More when the supernatural take over. But it's going to take a walk in the spirit. And there's a fight. In Exodus chapter 17, if you turn over to it, we see here that Amalek is going to fight against Israel. Now, I, I believe that our real battle, a battle that we have, is not against the flesh and blood. We we know it's against spiritual forces, principalities, and powers. We know we're engaged in a warfare. But I personally, brothers and sisters, would like to say to you that the greatest battle that I have is what I look at in the mirror. That's me. The greatest battle that I have is not the devil. The greatest battle I have is this old nature wanting to live the way he wants to live and do what he wants to do and talk the way he wants to talk. And that is the greatest hindrance. It is not the devil that's hindering the work of God. It's that old nature. If God could put in our hearts and give us a vision this morning of everything that he's accomplished and anoint our eyes with thyself and open our ears to his word and speak it into our hearts and every believer in this room was all filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to tell you something, friends. It's the devil who should be afraid, not the church. So God wants to open our understanding to understand what he has done and to show us this great victory. In in Exodus 17 and verse 8, it says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And remember, Amalek is a dweller in the valley. Rephidim was a desert place. Maybe a believer here, you're in the low place, but it's a desert place. You could say it's been dry. It's just been dry for a number of weeks, maybe dry for a number of months. It might even have been dry for... A number of years you've gone through a dry spell, well, you're going to fight against Amalek. Amalek's going to wrestle with you. Amalek is that nature, that old nature, that flesh. In Galatians 5, if you turn right over to it, just to show you. In Galatians 5 and 16, it says, then say, then I say, then walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I, Honestly, I want to tell you, I wish I had got this at the beginning when I got saved. I wish I had understood this way at the start. I wish I had had got a grip of this here. I had saved myself an awful lot of heartache, an awful lot of pain, and an awful lot of failure and sin. To understand what it is to walk in the Spirit. To live a life in the power of the Holy Ghost. To walk in the power of the Spirit brothers and sisters, we can walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. We don't have to live a defeated, unbelieving, sin-filled life, defeated by sin and the enemy. We can walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. There is a river that's in us. The Bible says, out of our innermost being shall flow what? Rivers of living water. There's victory over sin. There's victory over the devil. There's victory over sickness. There's victory over all the powers of hell that will come against us. But that's a walk in the Spirit of God. Do we want to walk in the Spirit? If we walk in the Spirit, then the Bible's very clear. We'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I wish I'd have got this in 1993. It has saved me hell. I'm going through all the troubles and all the trials and all the failures and falling and falling and falling and God picking me up and trying to set me on the right path. If I'd have just got filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and walked in the victory, I'd have saved myself an awful lot of heartache. Friends, this morning God wants to fill every life in this room that's saved with the power of the Holy Ghost. We need to live this life, and the days especially in which we're living, we need to live it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't fear what's going to happen on Thursday. I don't fear what's going to happen in politics and what's happening around the world. I don't fear what Putin's doing or what's happening in Ukraine. I don't fear the ecumenical movement and everything. I don't fear any of those things, friends, because I have Christ within me. And greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. But God's got a purpose for us in these days. And it's not to warm a church pew, but it's to fill His church with the power of the Holy Ghost to see a mighty move of the Spirit of God. We need to see a harvest of souls. God's looking for a people that are going to walk in the Spirit. That means we got to revisit somewhere. It's called the cross. They've taken the cross from the Gospel. They've taken the cross from a Christian walk. They've taken the cross from everything to do with the Christian life. And they've made it all easy. I want to tell your friends, Paul says that he would take up his cross daily to crucify what? The flesh. We need to crucify Amalek. Because he's the greatest opposer to the walk in the Spirit. And that's why we got to die and give these lives to Christ and walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. The flesh is lusting against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh and they're contrary, they're contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Listen carefully. How many really in our hearts, I believe this of everyone that's here that's saved, really in the depths of our hearts, we really want to live for God. We really want to in these last days, these last moments of time, before Christ burst through the clouds to take this church, His church, across this world to meet Him in the air. But friends, I want to tell you something. We really want to see God move in these days. We really want to see a move of the Spirit of God. You're desiring to live for God. You want to live... Listen, young people this morning... I want to tell you from my failures, not from my, from getting it all right. I want to tell you, tell you from my own failures. If at that beginning that I had a really got a hold of God and he really got a hold of me and I put this old man down and crucified that flesh and let God get a hold of me and fill me and baptize me with the Holy Ghost, I want to tell you something, friend. That's the only life to live. And it saves us. Young people are saying, I'm not sure. I don't know. And maybe I tried to serve God, but it failed. It didn't really work out. I want to tell you something. I'll tell you what you come up against. You came up against Amalek. Because he's going to oppose. He's going to oppose the Spirit of God. And there's an answer for Amalek. Praise the Lord. It's the cross. It's the cross. And so these are contrary one to another that you cannot do. The things that you would. Here's the battle this morning. The real battle in this room. The battle is between the natural and the spiritual. That's the real battle. But there's always a victory in the valley. There's always a victory. In Exodus 17 and verse 11, many of you will know these verses very well, it tells us that Moses went up to the hill And Moses sat down, and there as he sat, Aaron and her, his arms became heavy or tired. But Moses and Aaron, they lifted up his arms. And the Bible tells us in verse 11 that when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And you can see Joshua down in this valley. He's fighting up against Amalek. But every time he looked up, and he could see Moses sitting on top of that hill with his hands raised. He knew that he had the victory. He knew that he could pursue, that he could win this battle. And I want to tell you friends this morning, there's one greater than Moses that sat down on a hill called Mount Mount Zion, and his name's Jesus this morning, and doesn't need any man or woman to hold up his arms. Thank God this morning when he sat down, he's defeated all the powers of hell and darkness, and everything is under his feet this morning. But if you would just look up from the valley, you're going to see a man called Jesus. What a victor he is this morning, and for every battle that we face We are going to see that victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you turn over to Psalm chapter 121. Psalm 121. For those in that valley this morning, listen carefully to these words. Psalm 121. This great ascension psalm. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up mine eyes onto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made the heaven and earth. He will not suffer... My foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Listen, saints, this morning, we need to lift up our eyes onto the hills for whence cometh our help. There's help this morning, and it comes from the Lord. You see, we need to see that He is seated this morning in glory. We need to see that He is sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. We need to see that he's far above all our circumstances. He's far above the Antichrist. He's far above the nations. He's far above the kingdoms of men. That Christ has seated, is seated this morning above all our circumstances in our lives. You see, in the midst of that, in that valley, Moses raised up an altar. And that altar was called Jehovah Nisi. That is that the Lord is our banner or he is our standard. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, praise God, the Spirit of the Lord would raise up a standard or a banner against them, that there's victory in Jesus this morning for every saint in this room. When that enemy presses in, there's victory for every one of us. In Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 18, I'll be closed in five minutes, but I want to come at just to the main focus of it. In these closing few verses, but in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 18 is what the Bible says. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me. Listen carefully. Isaiah 8 and 18. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwell in Mount Zion. I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders. We, we know we're living in tremendous days. We know we are. We, we know that things are moving rapidly. We know that there is a rapid rise of the Antichrist, the gathering together of the nations, the ecumenical movement, we, we can see it all happening. We know that Jerusalem shall be a cup of trembling to the nations of the world. That's exactly what it is. We, we know that there's a waxing worse. We know there's a falling away. We know that men's imaginations to, to think up evil will, will be shocking in the last days. And friends, that's exactly what it is. It's actually shocking what men are actually doing in labs. In test tubes across this world. We're in the depths of depravity. We see the laws have been changed. They've made void His law. We see the abortion, everything that's been sweeping in across these nations. We know what's happening. But I and the children whom the Lord has given me, the Bible says they're for signs and they're for wonders. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, his people, this church, do you know what we're for? We're for signs and wonders. For too long now, it's like the church is in retreat or has just abandoned everything of the ancient landmarks. But the church of Jesus Christ, his church, do you know what it's for? It's for signs and it's for wonders. The final outpouring of the Spirit of God, which I believe in, I believe in the latter house shall be greater than the former. I believe in an end time glory in the church. I don't believe everyone gets saved. I believe men will wax worse and worse. I believe not to be true. I believe everything of what the Scripture says, but I believe He's coming back for a glorious bride. It's a bride that's filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's a bride that is functioning and operating in, listen, signs and wonders, supernatural experiences, things beyond the natural realm of what man can do. When God Himself comes down in amongst His people, when you're in the workplace, when you're out in the school, when you're in the shops, you're the vessel of the Lord. The Bible says, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me, you are for signs and you're for wonders. Supernatural things taking place that are beyond the realm of being explained. That's what a supernatural thing is. When you can't explain what happened. I've listened to the conversations people have spoke. We have talked about it. We've lay awake. We've dreamt about it. What actually happened? when we got a little taste of heaven that came into this room and God was moving here and moving there and moving next door and the spontaneous work of God and the praise of God's people, God dealing with hearts, God beginning to move. And all of a sudden it was like, it was beyond the realms of man. Isn't that right? Wasn't it beyond the control or what man was trying to connive or put together? Suddenly it was something that God just sort of stepped in for a moment and said, this is what I want to do. This is my desire. I want to come in a way that goes beyond the realms of what we can do and the best efforts that we have unto the Lord. But it's when God comes down and God supernaturally touches a people and signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. See, we deal with Amalek in that natural mind. I want to tell you, friends, we can move into our realm. Now, in the most part, but I believe it will happen across the island of Ireland. I believe this to be true, that God will raise up a people across, but they will function in this area of signs and wonders. Unexplainable happenings. I'm tired of hearing about what the devil's doing. I'm tired of hearing about the powers of darkness. I'm tired of hearing about the decay. I'm tired of hearing about all the mess that's happening in the church And there's no representation of Christ and they've abandoned everything. What I believe we're on the verge of is a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. The power of God with signs and wonders following, healings and deliverances, men raised from the dead, people saved and set free, the lame walking and even some running. That's the power of God. Now the natural man, Amalek's strong. See Amalek, he's strong. He's going to fight. Remember, they got down to the low point, And Amalek, he's going to fight them. But thank God we have victory this morning through the Lord. And Isaiah chapter 40, if you turn over to it, and then I'm going to go in the 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to close in a moment. But Isaiah chapter 40, very well-known verses, says these words. Isaiah 40 verse 28. Hast thou not known... Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he faints not, neither is he weary. There's no searching of his understanding. Listen, friends, this morning to the weary in this room. He gives power to them that are faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait, here's the secret, upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run. Listen, here's a word for the weary this morning. They shall run and not be weary. Now that's supernatural, isn't it? That's a supernatural work and touch of God when the weary run And they shall walk and not faint. Listen listen carefully this morning. The power to them that faint. Those that have no strength. Those that the the, the strength has gone out of their body. The Bible says that if they wait on the Lord, they're going to renew that strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. When the weary run. Listen carefully. This is beyond the natural realm. This is not something that I can do or you can do. If I tried to run this morning, there'd be an almighty clatter right in the middle of this floor, but I still might try it. But the weary run. The church runs and the power of God comes upon her. You know that story of Elijah and Mount Carmel, that great restoration of Israel. And he gets up to the top of Carmel. He puts his head between his knees and he said to the servant, go up and look at the sea. And he went up and he looked and there was nothing. He says, go up again seven times. And it came to pass in the seventh time that there was a cloud the size of a man's hand. The old servant's look, and he says, I see that cloud. Just the cloud, the size of a man's hand. I want to tell you, friends, and I know Brian often prays it, but I believe it to be true. I believe we can see the cloud. It's small, but we can see the cloud, the size of a man's hand. Can you see it? Can you believe it? There's something of God in it all that is just like a little but there's so much more to come. The Bible tells us that, he said to Ahab, prepare their chariot, get thee down, don't let the rain stop thee. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and with wind. as is what the Bible says, and there was a great rain. The rain speaks of the Holy Ghost, a great outpouring in the last days of the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you know what happened? one of the most wonderful things in Scripture. Elijah, Elijah, this prophet of the Lord, he says to Ahab, get your chariot ready. Get to Jezreel. Jezreel was 16 miles away. Listen to this here. This is when the weary run. This is when it's supernatural. And Elijah, in the midst of that rain coming down, he gird up his loins and he runs 16 miles and he beat a man. He beat a man on a horse with a chariot. It was a supernatural power of God. You see, in these last days, friends, I want to tell you, the church of Jesus Christ, His church, the real church, is going to outrun its enemy. God is going to strengthen it, pour in His spirit. It won't be weary. I'm not, I'm not crawling through the pearly gates, friends. God's bringing home a bride that's victorious and glorious and full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, O God, when thou wentst forth before thy people, when thou did march through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens dropped at the presence of the Lord, Sinai itself was moved at the presence of the Lord, the Lord God of Israel. Thy, O God, did send plentiful rain, whereby thou didst confirm thine inheritance when it was weary. Not when it was great, when it was weary. How did he do it? He sent the rain. God, send the rain. Send the showers in this place today. Confirm it. Confirm it. Confirm it with the Holy Ghost. Confirm it with the Holy Ghost. Let's pray together this morning.